Day one of the NCAA tournament is in the books, and we're going to learn a lot more about Gonzaga's opponent on Friday, the Grand Canyon Lopes, and how they might try to take down Mark Few's team. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Well, I'm thrilled to be joined today by Kyle McDonald. Kyle runs the WAC Hoops Digest, a website dedicated to covering everything Western Athletic Conference. Kyle, I kind of want to start talking about Grand Canyon in general and just their path to be the team here in the NCAA tournament, because I think Grand Canyon has, has been a team that a lot of, has gotten a lot of attention in the WAC, and I think a lot of people would have been, oh, of course, they're the team that's representing uh, the, the Western Athletic Conference in the NCAA tournament, but they were five seed. Going into that tournament, like they they were not the favorite during the regular season. They were not the favorite even entering the tournament. How did we get into a spot where the Lopes are the team dancing out of the whack? Well, Andy, first off, appreciate you having me on. Uh, always good to talk hoops, and especially this time of year. But uh, mm-hmm. the, the thing that's interesting is GCU was picked to win the whack by most media outlets prior to the season starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a, a decent non-conference slate and then conference play started they lose javon blackshear uh, the second week of january you know in a loss in the win over sam houston in huntsville so Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of put them on a weird trajectory i guess you want to say uh you know they had to readjust their entire roster their entire rotation um they didn't have a backup point guard at the time i mean chance mcmillian kind of played that role but he's more of a two guard you know at that time and so he got thrust into that point guard role so there was a, there was a bit of an adjustment um they had some weird losses they lost at home to utrgv uh mm-hmm. they, they they lost by like 20 to tarleton mm-hmm. um on the road at wisdom gym there in stephenville and then they had a weird loss about three weeks ago at home where they scored 13 first half points and a 56 45 loss to seattle so mm-hmm. everybody's thinking okay gc is done they have to go on the road for two games they have to go to southern utah who hadn't lost a whack home game uh, all season long, mm-hmm. Utah Tech, they're, they're trouble in St. George. You know, they win at the Burns Arena a lot. And last yeah. year they played spoiler to GCU. They're ruining their regular season title hopes. So, you know, everybody kind of wrote them off. Uh, there was a team, there was a, a players-only meeting that Ivan Odriogo uh, mm-hmm. put together. And then they go into Southern Utah. They beat up on the T-Birds there. They go into to Utah Tech, win by double digits there. And then they take – I mean – I don't want to say takeoff because they had a challenging first round game in the WAC tournament against UT Arlington, but Ray Harrison mm-hmm. went off for 30 plus points mm-hmm. to get into the second round. Then Gabe McLaughlin goes for 35 and 10 in their second round win, you know, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of, they kept shooting the lights out at mm-hmm. the WAC tournament. I mean, they hit 44 three pointers in four games in the semifinals and the final game in the championship game they combined to hit 29 three-pointers. Like, it was just unreal. And in the semifinals and the in the second-round game, Ray Harrison didn't do anything, really. Ray Harrison was in foul trouble in the semifinal game. It was Kobe Knox going for six of six from three-point land. It was Chance McMillian lighting it up and hitting a big threes in the second half. 
Uh, Noah Bauman came alive in the semifinals in the final game. And then Ray Harrison goes for 30 plus in the championship game. End of story. Like even Jason Hoot and Sam Houston head coach said, we scored 70 plus points. We should be able to win a ball game. But when you let them hit 16, three pointers, you're not going to win a ball game. So I want to say that people were a little bit shocked that they got there, but they also have the talent and they have a guy like they have a guy that can take over ball game. And he did that in the finals and they got help from everybody else through that, you know, four game stretch at WAC Vegas. I mean, it was, it was very impressive what the Lopes did. And let's just put it this way. They earned it. Like they earned their trip. They beat Arlington. They beat Seattle. They beat Sam Houston. And then they beat Southern Utah. Um, I'm pretty sure GCU though would be the first to say they were happy not to see Utah Valley in that championship game. Oh, I imagine so. Yeah. Well, and and they came from back from behind, except for the championship game, they were down at halftime in every one of those games. So we're talking making some adjustments, second half coming out, hitting those shots. And, And for Gonzaga fans, like I could feel people who are listening to the show cringing when they heard the talk of 44 threes in two games, 29 threes, because that is what has undone Gonzaga in so many NCAA tournaments, even some of their games earlier this season when they were struggling that game against BYU that they only won because of a Julian Strother three in the final 10 seconds. Part of that was because BYU was just launching threes, getting out in transition, finding open shooters. And when you look at the recipe for what a 14-3 upset tends to look like, a really, really hot shooting team usually is kind of part of that mix. And for Grand Canyon, this team has shot 38% from deep this year. You mentioned Ray Harrison. You mentioned Kobe Knox. Like, those are guys who can really light it up from beyond the arc. Do you think that that is the biggest key for Grand Canyon if they were to pull an upset as the outside shooting, or is there something else uh, that you think might have to factor in in order for them to to potentially do this? No, I think it's absolutely the outside shooting. I mean, in that semifinal game against Sam Houston, 19 or 16 of their 25 field goals that they made or from three-point land. That's the way they beat Sam Houston. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the thing is, is like Ray Harrison knocked down three-pointers in that final game against Southern Utah. So that's going to be their key. You know, they don't have a, a very good inside presence. I mean, Gabe mm-hmm. McLaughlin's okay, but he's not a – he's not necessarily your dominant, like, Drew Timmy right. post player in yeah, a sense. Seven. You know, but he he's a big physical specimen. He yeah. just doesn't have that post play that some other guys do. And so, you know, Yvonne Odreogo isn't an offensive threat down low. He's a big body that Jason Hooten called one of the best screeners in, in the country. Uh, so that's what they rely on him for in his rebounding stuff, stuff that doesn't show up necessarily in the stat, you know, stat box. But, yeah, the three-point shooting is going to be – is going to define whether or not GCU is even in the ballgame or if they have a chance to pull off an upset, you know, on Friday. Let's let's talk about the defense a little bit because yeah, I'm I'm not shocked that the three point shooting is the way. The 16 out of 25. I mean, they're they're going to be bombing threes, like you said. Uh, but but defensively, if people figured out how to stop Drew Timmy, they'd have done it by now. Right. <laughs> He's a senior in his fourth year, so asking you like, how are they going to do that? But I am curious because they don't have a ton of size and they don't have a lot of you know big imposing guys down low. Drew Timmy is that guy. I have very little doubt that Gonzaga is going to come down the floor and give him the basketball 99% of the time because that's what they do against everybody. Um, Do you expect Grand Canyon to do a lot of double teaming? Do you expect single coverage? Do you have kind of a sense of of what they might try to do to to slow Drew Timmy down here? I I think they're going to have to throw bodies at him. I mean, they're going to throw Gabe McLaughlin at him, and and Mm -hmm. obviously Drew Timmy has a size advantage there. But, you know, Yvonne Oyudreogo, he Mm – his body, like he will, he will be physical with Drew Timmy. Like there's going to be an expectation there. 
So it'll be very interesting to watch how those two switch it up at times, mm -hmm. you know, to keep them both out of foul trouble because we know how Drew Timmy likes to attack the, yeah. the rim. Yeah. He just has so much skill around the basket that it makes, you know, defending him a challenge. Mm -hmm. I, Gabe McLaughlin has athleticism that might surprise people on quickness. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah. I, I, that matchup, I think I wrote about the other day, like, mm -hmm. or somebody mentioned it. That mm -hmm. matchup's going to be fun to watch. I, I think it's going to be back and forth because Timmy's going to have to come out and guard Gabe himself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. but defensively, I think they're going to throw you know a few double teams here and there. But mm -hmm. again, you know they have to defend the perimeter too. So, yeah. you know that that's the thing to keep an eye on. How often do they double team him? Mm -hmm. How much do they body him up? You know the bigs from and, and Bryce Drew, even though he didn't play a lot at WAC Vegas, Aiden Igehan mm -hmm. is another big body that Drew. Uh, that Bryce Drew can throw out there um, to to defend Drew Timmy, but uh, I think as of today, as of this recording, and as everybody knows, right now it's advantage Drew Timmy. So sure. uh, it'll be very interesting to see the game plan there because mm -hmm. um, they didn't really face any size throughout the WAC tournament. Like right. nobody had the size that they're going to face on Friday with Gonzaga. So mm -hmm. it's hard to say. I mean, they did body up Aziz Bandego from. Utah Valley, when they played him, he didn't have, you know, get those lobs and get those other, but he doesn't have as much skill mm -hmm. with the dribble that Drew Timmy does. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Well, Kai and I are going to talk a little bit more about conference realignment, whether Grand Canyon could end up in the same conference as Gonzaga someday. We're going to talk about that all after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. I'm not sure if our conversation has made you more or less confident, but for the record, the line for the Gonzaga Grand Canyon game is 13 and a half for the Zags. So if you want to bet on that, check it out on FanDuel right now. FanDuel will even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Kyle, want to kind of switch gears on you a little bit instead of talking specifically about this matchup about Gonzaga versus Grand Canyon. I want to talk about whether this will end up someday being a conference game because Grand Canyon has been rumored for for a while, quite honestly, to be a team that could potentially make moves towards the WCC. And, and as somebody who covers the WAC very closely, you are quite honestly used to seeing a lot of movement. There have been teams in, there have been teams out, there have been teams in and out in a very short period of time. Uh, the WAC seems like a conference that is that is changing quite a bit. Uh, the WCC obviously has at least one opening with BYU moving to the Big 12. We know that's happening. That is confirmed, of course, on the Gonzaga front. Whether Gonzaga and Grand Canyon are ever in the in the WCC together doesn't just depend on Grand Canyon. It could, could be a difference with Gonzaga potentially on the way out. There's rumors swirling constantly about the Big 12, uh, so we'll kind of have to see there. But just kind of thinking about Grand Canyon and their fit, do you see this being something where the WCC might try to make a move here uh, and what that could mean for the WAC? You know, I don't want to say never say never, sure. but I just don't see it right now. Yeah. I, I I mean, while GCU has a brand and mm -hmm. they have a somewhat of that Phoenix market, there, there's, yeah. you know, and they have 
thousands of students all over the country that are doing their mm -hmm. online program. So people know yeah. about them. They have a great atmosphere at GC Arena and their student yeah. section and so forth. The thing that I think is going to be a, a an issue is still that even though they're trying to play it off like they're a nonprofit still, there's still that for-profit yeah. connection that is going to cause some problems with the WCC wanting them to come, you know, into the, into the league in that situation. I just, I don't necessarily think they want to deal with that, that mm -hmm. baggage right now. They want that all figured out before it, you know, because I mean, if GCU were to jump into the WCC, they'd be one of the, have one of the highest budgets out of those schools. Like, right. and that, that, that doesn't play favorably, for mm -hmm. them because you know schools don't want a new school coming in and be like oh you got more money than us that's not yep so i i, I don't want to say never say never i think it mm -hmm. could happen i just don't see it happening anytime soon i you know mm -hmm. uh I, i've said it before and i've said it for a while i don't think the wcc as long as gonzaga is in the wcc mm -hmm. seattle will, will not go get into mm -hmm. the wcc like we we can all mm -hmm. i think we can agree on that yeah GCU, I think, is still on the outside looking in. I think if if I'm going to be honest with you, if there's a WAC school that the WCC would target, as of right now, now that they're eligible for NCAA tournament, you know, appearances, is California Baptist because of their religious, you know, affiliation, mm -hmm. their private status. They fit that mold, and they they're in a good market. They're in Riverside, California, so mm -hmm. it, it's tough to say. I don't think this that. That, it, that there's a never say never type situation. Mm -hmm. right? You know, we've seen that college, you know, conference alignment and everything else that goes crazy, obviously, with the WAC. Mm -hmm. We've seen so many teams come and go. We've seen, you know, we're losing New Mexico State and yeah. Sam Houston after this season. So right. uh, it, it's just, it'll be an interesting thing because does the WCC want the Phoenix market or do they not? Because if right. they do, they're going to go get GCU. Mm -hmm. um, I, it'll just be interesting to see how they want to deal with that issue that still clouds GCU with the for-profit over non-profit situation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, it's hard to say, but yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say it'll never happen. I think maybe down the road it will. Mm -hmm. It just depends on, you know, how the cards fall here. Yeah. The, the for-profit situation I think is, is really muddy and kind of mucks up the whole situation for, for the WCC, which up to this point has generally been pretty consistent about the type of institution. BYU is an obvious exception, but BYU, you couldn't have said no to BYU. I mean, quite honestly, there, you had to take them. They're such a big school, a high resource institution, huge brand, all of that stuff. Grand Canyon doesn't bring that and they bring a little bit more kind of messiness. And I want to go back to the Seattle U point because to be clear, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I think Gonzaga is going to say, no, we don't need competition in the Seattle market. We don't need uh, a school from the state. Like, we don't want that. And Gonzaga has all of the power. They can right. control all of that. Um, having said that, the new commissioner of the WCC, Stu Jackson, he went to Seattle. U. He also went to Oregon. It's not like they're going to get the Ducks, but <laughs> there is a connection with the WCC commissioner and Seattle U. If it's not going to happen with Gonzaga there, do you see it as something? Because Look, I worked at Seattle U. I'm a grad student there. I worked there for three years. I've been in that athletic department a lot. When I was there in 2015, all they were talking about, WCC, WCC, WCC. When I went back to work there in 2018, WCC, WCC, WCC. Like that is their focus, their drive. This is the thing that they care about a lot. I understand why it is a, a conference that makes a ton of sense for them from a geographic perspective, from a institution perspective, from a basketball perspective. I mean, they wouldn't be 
one of the best teams right now, but they wouldn't be the worst either. They would be in the middle of the pack with the ability with some added resources and some ability to get some more transfers because of their conference. They could potentially bump up a little bit, but I don't see it happening until after Gonzaga leaves. And at that point, I'm not sure Seattle U looks at the WCC sans Gonzaga sans BYU as necessarily a huge upgrade. So it kind of puts them in an interesting spot where I'm not sure if the WCC can afford to wait to bring schools in like that, but I also don't think that they're going to be able to do it at the same time. Kind of puts Seattle U in an unfortunate position, I think. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, as you know, in the WAC, Seattle U is kind of the outlier, you know, up there yeah. in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, they've been mm-hmm. that way for a, the last decade or so, yeah. you know, just kind of sitting there all alone by themselves. But uh, I think you're absolutely right with the fact that Gonzaga doesn't want to share that market with anybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that makes sense because they've had a hold on it for – however long, especially basketball-wise, since that's what Seattle U would bring to the table. Um, yeah, it, it's just a, a difficult situation. They want to get there. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if Gonzaga goes to the Big 12, mm-hmm. you know, does that make the draw any better? Or is it more going to be – we want to be in the WCC because we fit the the, the geographic, you know, right. situation there instead of traveling to East Texas for ball games or right. – um, you know, mm-hmm. Dallas, Fort Worth for ball games. This way we get to stay on the West Coast, stay with teams mm-hmm. that are kind of in our mold. Right. Um, they went to Portland and beat Portland this year. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see. It, it goes back to it. it. Everything depends on what Gonzaga does in regards to what the conference realignment looks like in a year or two. Um, so it'll be very interesting. That's the best thing everybody has to watch. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what happens. Right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you on that hundred percent. And I think if like, let's, I want to talk, close out our, our segment here, talking about Cal Baptist, because I am intrigued by that. I think for Gonzaga fans listening right now, Cal Baptist joining the WCC may not happen unless Gonzaga leaves. So it may not be something that is super on the radar, but I do think that it is a possibility. And I'm, I'm glad you brought them up because they are not, they haven't gotten a ton of attention yet because they are very new to being able tournament eligible, all that stuff, but they have some really talented players. They've, they had a decent season. Like you said, Riverside, not a huge market, but not a tiny one either for the WCC. They already have a lot of markets in California. So I'm not sure how appealing adding another one, especially not one of the bigger ones is, but I think Cal Baptist would be a pretty decent addition for the WCC in in a lot of ways. And I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I, I think it is. I mean, it's a private yeah. religious school, right? Right there in Riverside. Yeah. It, it's San Diego's right down I-5. Yeah. Uh, you got the Loyola Marymounts. Everything, everything's mm-hmm. there close by, right? So mm-hmm. and you got the whole Cal- state of California, St. Mary's, Santa Clara, yeah. San Francisco, all of it. Um, so I think it, 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 they fit that mold just that from those standpoints alone. That facilities-wise, they're, they're right there as well. I mean, they're, they're, that CBU Event Center – yeah, probably nice. better than most of the arenas or gyms in the West Coast Conference. So they're already there, and they're only in their what fifth year of the Division One, you know, mm-hmm. era. So they're still growing. They're still getting better. They're still getting stronger. And I, I think it's there that they just fit that mold. Private religious institution is the biggest thing. Um, they're a nonprofit, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said does the WCC want to bring in another California school? Um, Because I don't think CBU fits in the big West because it's not a public school. Right. Right. So it doesn't fit those UC or those Cal, you know, state Mm -hmm. Fullerton type schools. It just fits the mold of the WCC. The question is, like you said, does California Baptist, if they look at it and see Mm -hmm. that Gonzaga stepped out, you know, went somewhere else, if that invite ever comes, 
do they make the jump from the WAC to the WCC? Not saying that WCC wouldn't be still better than the WAC, right? But the draw may not be as glamorous anymore, right. I guess you could say, because totally. you got St. Mary's, mm-hmm. and then you kind of got that middle of the road rest mm-hmm. of the, the schools. Uh, it's not any different really than the WAC. So it'd be, I don't know, it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. But I think so California Baptist out of the schools that we've talked about fits the the mold for the mm-hmm. WCC more than any of the other ones. Kyle McDonald, you can find him at Whack Hoops Digest on Twitter. You can find the website Whack Hoops Digest as well. All sorts of fantastic conference content covering this conference. I always love talking college hoops with people who are passionate, particularly who are passionate about uh, programs that maybe don't get as much love as they should. So thank you so much for for taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. No problem, Andy. Appreciate the time and. Uh, should be an interesting ball game on Friday yeah. night. It's going to be a fun one. All right, closing out today's show, talking about Arizona State's big win over Nevada and whether they could pull an upset over TCU and what that would mean for Gonzaga. But first, a word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat and you don't want all the fat and calories, then you have got to try a Built Bar. If you're like me where you want to eat healthier but you don't want to compromise taste, then I've got just the thing for you. you got to try Built because with Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they are so delicious, you will not think they're good for you. What makes Bill Bar so good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bill does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years... We've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs at your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club today. All right, segment three, closing out the show, talking about the other parts of the bracket for the Zags uh, and their matchup against Great Canyon. Of course, we preview that at length with Kyle there. Fantastic to have him on the show. But now I want to talk about what happens if the Zags do advance, because we know now that they will play the winner of TCU and Arizona State after the Sun Devils absolutely dismantled Nevada. As a side note, been a rough, uh, rough couple of years for the Mountain West. They have not won an NCAA tournament game in a long time. Utah State already lost to Mizzou as we're recording this. San Diego State is playing Charleston. Uh, it's not looking good for them either. We'll see if they can pull off a victory there, but been a rough couple of years for the Mountain West. And uh, Nevada kind of sneaking into the NCAA tournament despite losing their last three games. Boy, did they not look like a team prepared to be in the big dance. The Sun Devils won this one 98-73. to 73. Interesting fact, both teams shot exactly 11 for 21 from three, which is 54%. That is phenomenal. The difference is that outside of that, Nevada shot 14 of 31. That's 45% on two-pointers. Not good. Meanwhile, Arizona State, 24 for 34. That's 70%. There's your difference right there. Arizona State shot really well from deep and extremely well inside the arc. Nevada just just didn't. And in, in the era of the transfer portal, this matchup has some extra intrigue to it. Arizona State's two, two of their best players, maybe not their two best players, but two starters, two key contributors, Desmond Cambridge and Warren Washington. They both transferred to Arizona State from 
Nevada, and you could feel it. You could tell in this game, Cambridge had 17.6 assists for Bobby Hurley's team. Warren Washington, nine points, five boards, four assists. They went out there and took care of business against Nevada. And look, Arizona State's a streaky team. They beat Arizona this year. They have some other big wins. They have a win over Creighton from the non-conference schedule. They also got boat raced by University of San Francisco, the Dons in the non-conference. We've seen this team kind of be a little bit all over the place. Nevada's not a great team. Arizona State walloping them is definitely not a bad thing for the Sun Devils. Does it mean they can beat TCU? Hard to say. There's there's a little bit of a recipe for success here. You can kind of look and see a possibility for the Sun Devils to pull the upset here. Arizona State right now is only 101st offensively in Ken Palm, so they struggle on that end of the floor, but they are 30th on defense. Meanwhile, TCU is 21st defensively, so they're both very, very good top 30 defensive teams in the country, difference being there that while Arizona State is 101st offensively, TCU is 54th, much difference there, but the Sun Devils are a good rebounding team, top 80 in the country, and they are 31st in the country in blocks per game, thanks in large part to Warren Washington, the Nevada transfer that I mentioned earlier. So this is a team that plays well around the rim, rebounds the ball well, blocks a lot of shots. And we've talked about this already, but they're playing a TCU team that is missing Eddie Lampkin. Now, Eddie Lampkin only played about 22 minutes per game for the Horned Frogs. I don't want to make it seem like he was, you know, he's not their Drew Timmy or anything like that. He's, he's a 21, 22 minutes per game guy, starter, high energy guy, but he's a very, very good offensive rebounder in particular. That's probably the biggest skill set that he brought to the Horned Frogs this year. Uh, he's six and a half points per game, but about six boards. Again, three of them or so are on the offensive side. So not having him is going to make it more difficult for TCU to score around the rim. They're going to have less second chance opportunities and they're playing a team that rebounds really, really well. Beyond that, TCU, not a good three-point shooting team. We've talked about this on Locked On College Basketball a handful of times, but no team has ever won an NCAA tournament championship with a three-point shooting percentage below 32.9. TCU shooting 30.6. Not a lot of people have them going all the way to the championship anyway, but it's worth pointing out that if you don't shoot the rock particularly well, you are absolutely susceptible to an upset. If the Zags end up getting TCU and they struggle like that to shoot from beyond the arc without their big man, you can see why it might be a, a desirable matchup there. Let me put it this way. There are other six seeds out there that I would be a lot more nervous for Gonzaga playing than TCU. But the Zags may not play TCU. Since the play-in games have existed, 11 seeds who win that play-in game or that first-round game to kind of get into the NCAA tournament – they usually win. It's not uncommon at all for them to carry that momentum from getting a victory in that first game and bring it with them into their first round game and, and get a victory there. Arizona State checks a lot of boxes here. They look like a team with the strength that they have with the, the way that they played in that game against Nevada with TCU kind of having some strife, some turmoil, you know, Lampkin leaving the team and saying that there were some issues of, of racial profiling and various other things that he kind of accused, I should say his mother accused Jamie Dixon, the head coach of TCU of, and it doesn't seem like it's, we haven't gotten the full scope of the story and I don't know how much it's impacting the team, but certainly there's turmoil and strife. And that's never really what you want to be following your team around when you get into the NCAA tournament, especially when you're playing a team that has some momentum the way that Arizona state does. So worth pointing out, TCU also has a phenomenal elite, supremely talented backcourt. Mike miles jr. Is one of the best point guards in the entire country bar none. He's fantastic. Damian Ba is incredible as well. I think he's averaging like close to six assists per game. Those two guys are going to be really, really tough 
TCU still has size. They still have talent. They still went through a rugged Big 12 conference schedule throughout the regular season, uh, a conference schedule much, much more difficult than the schedule that Arizona State endeared in the Pac-12. I still think TCU is the better team. I think the better team is probably going to win. But there's a very real chance that Gonzaga advances past Grand Canyon and plays another team from the same state in the second round in the Sun Devils. And if that happens, we'll have some previews. We'll have some conversation about it on Saturday. Uh, you know, it's a bonus. going to be a bonus episode, certainly, if, if TCU ends up getting upset and we play the Sun Devils, because I think that's going to be a potentially very fun matchup. But one of those things to keep an eye on, because like I said, these, these 11 seed play-in games, they rarely win and then lose when they actually get into the dance. So I think there's a really good opportunity here based on a lot of factors for Arizona State to potentially pull off a pretty significant upset. All right, that is going to do it for today and for this week, I say, but we're probably going to have some content for you all on Saturday as we know who Gonzaga is going to face. Why not get some bonus content? It's March. It's the best time of the year. Thanks again to Kyle for joining me on the show today. Uh, we'll be back again Saturday, maybe early next week, depending on how things go. Go Zags for tonight, of course, as always. Hope you're enjoying the show. Find it on YouTube, wherever you find your podcasts. It's all out there. Check out the Locked On College Basketball podcast as well if you haven't done so yet. Thanks again, and go Zags.